You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Welcome to our In Conversation programme featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovil Town players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck it's your chance to find out what makes these sported heroes tick. And also, we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to In Conversation. And tonight we've just popped over to Las Vegas. Not very far, really. Just a quick trip on the old 747. And we've touched up with John Sullivan. Hello, John. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, no. More than welcome, mate. More than welcome. Uh, I should be talking to you about the condominium later on, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, John, as those of you who may not remember him, he was uh, with Yeovil back in 19... He looks at his li- notes, 2010 to 11. Um, on loan from on loan from Millwall, I think that's right, wasn't it, John? Yep, I was on loan from Millwall. Um, Evan Roberts brought me in. And, uh, yeah... Great, great, mem- great memories. Actually, it's a, good, it's a great little club. Um, you know, going back, I know you, 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 um, you came on trial, I think, initially, didn't you? And then you played, uh, played a game against uh, Man United for for Terry Skiverton's. Uh, was it Terry Skiverton or Darren Way? Yeah, it was kind of a unique situation. So it was my second year at Millwall. The year before at Millwall, we got promoted at uh, Wembley. They went to the Championship. I think they wanted some better competition for David Ford, who was the goalkeeper. Yeah. So they, brought, they ended up bringing in Steve Mildenhall, who a lot of you guys know well. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Ben called me, I think, on like a Wednesday and said, hey, we're playing Man United 11 on Saturday. Do you want to play? Well, goal, I think your keeper at the time was injured or you just didn't have one. Um, so I came down and played. I, I don't remember the score or anything, but uh, I think I did okay. And then I ended up playing in the uh, first game of the season that came on loan. I kind of remember I think the first game of the season we won one nil. That, that would have to be. Hang on a minute. Wikipedia will tell all. Rest assured, yeah. it tells all for everybody. My memory, my me- my memory of football isn't very good, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Kind of forgot what, kind of forgot what happened. <laughs> well, but let's just go back and test your memory even more then a little bit. Um, you started okay. your youth career back in two thousand and four. You were born in nineteen eighty eight, in actual fact. Um, in yep. uh, in what's it called? Something in West Sussex. Yeah, I was born in Sean by Sea, by West Sussex, but my family grew up in Lansing, kind of something area, which is you know just on the outside. Of kind of Brighton work. Okay. Um, 
and uh, you started off at Brighton, uh, played 13 times, and uh, you were there for four years, yeah? What can you remember about your time at Brighton? Um, just remember coming through the youth team. I was a huge supporter. Um, used to go to all the home and away games. I used to be in the stands. I went to the last game at the Goldstone, so I was a huge fan. And then I just remember being in the youth team and kind of trying to work my way in. And in my final year there, I ended up breaking into the first team. I played 13 league games and four uh, cup games and then Sunday at the end of that season which was a bit of a shock I got released which uh, there was quite a few of us from the youth team who got released who probably shouldn't have done so that were kind of my memories there but memories from Brighton were kind of all good my parents are probably still a bit bitter <laughs> because they let me go like all parents but uh, now in general my, my uh, m- there were very happy times down there Who, who was your manager down at Brighton then uh, John? Uh, so my first manager was uh, made I had Dean Wilkins as a manager, Martin Hinchelwood, uh, Mark McGee gave me my first pro contract, Mickey Adams gave me my debut, and then Russell Slade actually was the one who released me. Um, so I know that you guys know Russell well. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, thought, I thought Russell made a huge mistake that year at the end of the season. I think there was a lot of us who were young coming through. I mean, to be a 20-year-old goalkeeper playing 17 games, you know, you shouldn't really get released. I'm not saying I was that good, but you shouldn't get released. You should at least get another year, or they should have put me on loan or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Russell came in. Russell came in with his own ideas, and Russell didn't last that long either. So I just thought that was a bit of a poor decision from the club not to have a bigger picture in mind. You know? Can you remember? Did you play against Yeovil uh, when you were at Brighton? Uh, no, I played against Yeovil when I was at Charlton. Uh, never when I was at Brighton. There was a game at the... Actually, no, I played for Yeovil against Charles. Did I play against Yeovil ever? Uh, I don't think I ever did. Mm. No, I don't I don't think I ever did. I think at that time, Brighton were in League One. I imagine at that time, Yeovil might have been in the conference or League Two. I don't know. Um, I, I can remember... The reason I asked is I can remember that Russell Slade was at... What, um, was at Brighton uh, when we played them when Terry Skiverton was the manager of Yeovil and I think it was him that brought you into Yeovil and we lost yeah, about, we lost about 5-0 I think and I just wondered if it was that <laughs> game or not <laughs> oh no I wouldn't I, I, I'm pretty sure I never played against Yeovil for Brighton no, my, mem- my memory serves me correct that I never played against them it, I would remember. It, I would remember that long drive down to Yeovil. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was it was one of those games I can remember that because uh, the old Goldstone Ground it was it was quite a, a unique sort of place. And I remember we, you go down that slope, don't you? Before from the dressing rooms at the top, down the slope onto the pits there. And yep. And um, I mean, I love old stadiums <laughs> like that. I mean, places like Ellen Road, even the Valley kind of had you know Charlton had you know Mill. Kind of get fear. I just, for me, like the small old grounds always had the best atmosphere. You know, even the oval. You know, small ground, not big crowds, but the big games of the season. You, know, you get a great little atmosphere in those stadiums, and it's nice and close. I always thought that was, you know, those were the best stadiums for me to play in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I quite agree with you. That you know, they, they hold some memories for me because I was there for fifteen years, and I, there wasn't many grounds that I didn't go to. I, I, I never made it to Carlisle because it was I just could not face the idea of driving all the way to Carlisle uh, and coming back on the same been day. A, <laughs> been to Carlisle a couple of times. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's just a regular football league stadium. It's nothing special. Mm. But uh, no, I don't know whether we've got some Las Vegas type music. But uh, first of all, we've got a fast car from Tracy Chapman.
last car I want a ticket to anywhere Maybe we make a deal Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove Get a fast car. I got a plan to get us out of here. Been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money. Won't have to drive too far. Just cross the border and into the city. You and I can both get jobs. Finally see what it means to be living. See, my old man's got a problem. Yeah, but the bottle, that's the way it is He says his body's too old for working His body's too young to look like his My mama went off and left him She wanted more from life than he could give I said, somebody's got to take care of him So I quit school, that's what I did You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast it felt like I was drunk City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged had a feeling I could be someone, be someone, be someone You got a fast car We go cruise and entertain ourselves Still ain't got a job Now work in the market as a checkout girl I know things will get better You'll find work and I'll get promoted We'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast it felt like I was drunk City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone be someone, be someone You got a fast car I got a job that pays all our bills Instead of drinking late at the bar See more your friends than you do your kids I'd always hope for better Thought maybe together you and me find it I got no plans, I ain't going nowhere Take a fast car and keep on driving So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast it felt like I was drunk City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone be someone, be someone
got a fast car Is it fast enough so you can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way Well, that was Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. So anyway, you were at, you were at uh, uh, Brighton and then they released you and you uh, then went to Millwall, correct? Yep, that was correct. So that year when I was playing for Brighton, one of the games we beat Millwall 4-1 and I had a pretty good game in a, in a pretty bad weather game. I don't know if you remember Withdean, but the Withdean Stadium where Brighton moved temporary was, was kind of not a great stadium. It was just an athletic stadium. So we played Mill one day, we won 4-1. And, uh, you know, I thought I was going there to challenge David Ford and to, 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 to potentially, that's what they tell you, you know, as a player, hey, you want you to come in. We, we think you can push David and get in the team. But on my first day when I got to Mill, I, I realised right away, there's absolutely no way I'm getting past David Ford. He was too good. He was too big a figure at the club. He was pushing to play for Ireland. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the things that I'm not a big fan of football about anymore is that people just don't tell you the truth. Yeah, that's, quite. that's one of the things. And when, and when you're a footballer, you feel very... You don't want to stay in a thing because you feel like you're going to upset people. I'm in Vegas now. I've got a great new career. It doesn't bother me, but that's one thing that I really feel like just tell people the truth. You know, hey, John, we, we think you have potential. David's our number one goalkeeper. If you come and play for us, you're going to be sitting on the bench. Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. You know, just tell yeah. me just tell me the truth. But it, it wasn't really said like that, you know? No. But I, I think I always remember, um, did you ever did you ever get to know Roy O'Brien? He was one of the conference winning side uh, at Yeovil. I don't know if you know him or not. But anyway, Roy, Roy always said to me well, that he was a centre-half, Irish. Okay. Anyway, okay, no, I never met him. He he always said to me that he said, you know, I know loads of people in football, and he said, I'm sure you know loads of people in football. And I said, yeah, and he said, I reckon I can barely count five of them as being friends on one hand. He said, it's just yeah. their acquaintances, yeah, but they're not friends, and you know. Well, uh, and uh, and that's very true. And now I look back at my career and think, like, you know, because I'm very fortunate in the career I have now. But when I look back at the time I wasted when I was a footballer, the afternoons going to coffee shops or betting shops for people who, if I saw them today, I probably wouldn't even recognize them, you know? <laughs> yeah. But at the time, you want to be one of the lads, you want to be, you know, good team spirit, but mm. there were so many hours that I wasted, and I, and I think football's got to change. I think for these lower league players especially, where when you retire, you're gonna, you got to figure out a way to get income. It's not like you're making hundreds of thousands of year or, you know, mm. a week, you know? You're just not. You're making bare minimum to be honest I think football's got to change where they start making it mandatory for their players to get some sort of qualifications learn a trade do evening school just just spend do better with their time mm. to be honest with you there's more important things than just a football match you know absolutely yeah absolutely well, of course there's there's even talk now or obviously after this this pandemic I'll get it right um, uh-huh. their salary caps all sorts I mean because you know there's a general sort of panic around the place that there's not enough money suddenly to go around and uh, everybody's panicking yeah I mean I've been fearful I mean from a distance when I left and I, I, the way I left and went to Vegas is I mean I, I was at Wimbledon 
we went we, we uh the manager came in on the saturday and said if you win today we're playing fleetwood if we won that day we stayed up they said we're taking you to vegas tuesday so we're like well we're not we're going to win today because we want to go to vegas paid for so we went to vegas on the tuesday and the first person i met is now my wife so it's kind of one of those standard vegas stories but I went back, I played for Porsche for a year and it was a bit of a shambles and I wasn't doing very well. And then I remember going in and and talking to the manager at the end of the season and he said, hey, it didn't really go well, did it? I said, honestly, it didn't go well for either of us. Let's just cut our ties. So we agreed a compensation package and I just ended it and quit. Everyone was thinking I was crazy, but I saw the writing on the wall. The game has been changing for a long time and the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. I mean, to see teams like Barry go out of business, Mm. so sad, so sad to me. So I think salary caps probably is, stuff like that probably is going to come into play because these, the problem is when you're a footballer, even if you're playing for a Yeovil or Wimbledon, you still want to act like you're a professional footballer, flashy car and all that, all that stuff that just doesn't matter, Mm. right? Because there's a certain kind of, certain certain things come with being a footballer that you want to kind of go around, you know, watch it, whatever it is. So I've been very fearful for a lot of my friends in football for a long time now. I just feel like the ones in the lower leagues need to get a bit more realistic. It's a short career. The money doesn't go far. And, you know, you got to think about the future. Mm, absolutely. Well, talking of short careers, you had a, a short career with Yeovil, but you did play 13 games for us uh, on loan. Yeah, from uh, yeah, I think it was 13 again in the league, and I think it was four in the cup. I think we played a couple of league cup games. I think we played Palace, uh, where Wilfred Saha made a score to one nil stuff. But I had a real good time at Yeovil. I think I may have got a slight injury. Mm. And then Ben bought in. I think Ben bought back Stephen Henderson. Because Ben had a great track record. And I'm talking about Ben Roberts, who's one of my yeah. good friends. He, yeah. he, had a, he had a great track record. He brought Alex McCarthy to you. I mean, premiership goalkeeper. He brought Stephen Henderson to you. Championship yeah. and premiership goalkeeper. You yeah. know? He yeah. bought me. I was just like, I was just like, filling, <laughs> yeah, I was just filling in, you know. I did pretty well at Yogo, but at that time, I was, I was a bit over the top. I was a bit, I got angry. I just, I think Skibbo used to get annoyed at me because I was too loud on the coach and stuff like that. I was just a loud young kid, you know, so... Mm. Um, I did okay at Yeovil. You know, it was it was a, it was good. There's not that much pressure for the games there, apart from what you put on yourself. Um, but I, I really had a good relationship with like the fans and the people around the club. People like you, I just thought that at these clubs, people are in it for the right reason and not for the money. Yeah, I think you could attest. To that, yeah, you know? more music now, and I'm sure you'll recognise this one. Of course, it's Elton John and Rocket Man. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a timeless flight Touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Oh no, no, no I'm a rocket man 
Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids In fact, it's cold as hell And there's no one there to raise them If you did It's just my job five days a week John, who could forget that one, Rocket Man? But um, so anyway, you were at you were at uh, uh, Brighton, and then they released you, and you uh, then went to Millwall, correct? Yep, that was correct. So that year, when I was playing for Brighton, one of the games we beat Millwall four-one, and I had a pretty good game in a in a pretty bad <laughs> weather game. I don't know if you remember Withdean, but the Withdean Stadium where Brighton moved temporary was, was kind of not a great stadium. It was just an athletic stadium. So we played Mill one day, we won 4-1. And, uh, you know, I thought I was going there to challenge David Ford and to, 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 to potentially, that's what they tell you, you know, as a player, hey, you want a queue to come in. We, we think you can push David and get in the team. But on my first day when I got to Mill, I, I realized right away, there's absolutely no way I'm getting past David Ford. He was too good. He was too big a figure at the club. He was pushing to play for Ireland. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the things that, I'm not a big fan of football about anymore is that people just don't tell you the truth. Yeah, and that's, quite. that's one of the things. Yeah. And when, and when you're a footballer, you feel very, you don't want to stay in a thing because you feel like you're going to upset people. I'm in Vegas now. I've got a great new career. It doesn't bother me, but that's one thing that I really feel like just tell people the truth. You know, Hey John, 
we think you have potential. David's our number one goalkeeper. If you come and play for us, you're going to be sitting on the bench. Is that okay with you? You know, just tell yeah. me, just tell me the truth. But it, it wasn't really said like that, you know. No, but I, I think I always remember. Um, did you ever, did you ever get to know Roy O'Brien? He was one of the conference winning side uh, at Yeovil. I don't know if you know him or not. But anyway, Roy, Roy always said to me What's that it? he was a centre half Irish. Okay. Anyway, okay, no, I never met him. He he always said to me that he said, you know, I know loads of people in football, and he said, I'm sure you know loads of people in football. And I said, yeah, and he said, I reckon I can barely count five of them as being friends on one hand. He said, it's just yeah. their acquaintances, yeah, but they're not friends, and you know. Well, uh, and uh, and that's very true. And now I look back at my career and think, like, you know, because I'm very fortunate in the career I have now. But when I look back at the the time I wasted when I was a footballer, the afternoons going to coffee shops or betting shops with people who, if I saw them today, I probably wouldn't even recognize them, you know? <laughs> yeah. But at the time, you want to be one of the lads, you want to be, you know, good team spirit. But mm. there were so many hours that I wasted. And I, and I think football's got to change. I think for these lower league players, especially where when you retire, you're going to, you've got to figure out a way to get income. It's not like you're making hundreds of thousands a year or, you know, mm. a week, you know, you're just not. You're making bare minimum, to be honest. More music now, and this time we've got Status Quo, rocket all over the world.
rocking all over the world, even in Las Vegas. Uh, status quo, of course. I think football's got to change where they start making it mandatory for their players to get some sort of qualifications, learn a trade, do evening school, just just spend do better with their time. Mm. To be honest with you, there's more important things than just a football match, you know. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, there's there's even talk now. Well, obviously, after this this pandemic, I'll get it right. Um, uh-huh. their salary caps all sorts I mean because you know there's a general sort of panic around the place that there's not enough money suddenly to go around and uh, everybody's panicking yeah I mean I've been fearful I mean from a distance when I left and I, I, the way I left and went to Vegas is I mean I, I was at Wimbledon we went we, we uh, the manager came in on the Saturday and said if you win today we're playing Fleetwood if we won that day we stayed up they said we're taking you to Vegas Tuesday so we're like, well, we're not. We're going to win today because we want to go to Vegas, paid for. So we went to Vegas on the Tuesday, and the first person I met is now my wife. So it's kind of one of those standard Vegas stories. But I went back. I played for Portsmouth for a year, and it was a bit of a shambles, and I wasn't doing very well. And then I remember going in and and talking to the manager at the end of the season, and he said, "Hey, it didn't really go well, did it?" I said, "Honestly, it didn't go well for either of us. Let's just cut our ties." So we agreed a compensation package, and I just ended it and quit. Everyone was thinking I was crazy. But I saw the writing on the wall. The game has been changing for a long time. And the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. I mean, to see teams like Barry go out of business, mm. so sad. So sad to me. So I think salary caps probably is. Stuff like that probably is going to come into play because these. the problem is when you're a footballer, even if you're playing for a Yeovil or a Wimbledon, you still want to act like you're a professional footballer, flashy car and all that. All that stuff that just doesn't matter, mm. right? Because... There's a certain kind of certain certain things come with being a footballer that you want to kind of go around, you know, watch whatever it is. So I've been very fearful for a lot of my friends in football for a long time now. I just feel like the ones in the lower leagues need to get a bit more realistic. It's a short career. The money doesn't go far. And, you know, you got to think about the future. Mm, absolutely. Well, talking to short careers, you had a, a short career with Yeovil, but you did play 13 games for us uh, on loan. Yeah, from uh, yeah, I think it was 13 again in the league, and I think it was four in the cup. I think we played a couple of League Cup games. I think we played Palace, uh, where Wilfred Saha made a score on 1 0 stuff. But I had a real good time at Yeovil. I think I may have got a slight injury. Mm. And then Ben bought in, I think Ben bought back Stephen Henderson. Because Ben had a great track record. And I'm talking about Ben Roberts, who's one of my yeah. good friends. Yeah. He, had a, he had a great track record. He bought Alex McCarthy to you. I mean, Premiership goalkeeper. He bought Stephen Henderson to you. Championship yeah. and Premiership goalkeeper. Yeah. You know? He yeah. bought me. I was just like, I was just like, filling, <laughs> yeah, I was just filling in, you know. I did pretty well at Yogle, but at that time, I was, I was a bit over the top. I was a bit, I got angry. I, I just, I think Skibbo used to get annoyed at me because I was too loud on the coach and stuff like that. I was just a loud young kid, you know, so... Mm. Um, I did okay at Yeovil, you know, it was, it was, a, it was good. There's not that much pressure for the games there, apart from what you put on yourself. Um, but I, I really had a good relationship with like the fans and the people around the club, people like you. I just thought that at these clubs, people are in it for the right reason and not for the money. Yeah, you could attest to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that. All right, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, not, you know, just because you know, when you live in Yeovil, you know, it's it's different, you know, but yeah. people. In places like Yoba, where it's so kind of secluded away from everything, mm. people look forward to going to a game on a Saturday. You know, yeah. and that's like real—that's real football. You know, and, and I can—I can't remember a time, you know, when you were there. There, there. there aren't any games that stand out to me for any particular reason, which is not a bad thing in the context that you couldn't have had any horrors. 
Uh, okay. Uh, and maybe... I, I don't. Yeah, I don't even. I'd have to see the game. I'd have to see the list of the games of what season was it, Adrian? Uh, it was. Hang on. Uh, Two thousand and ten to eleven. Two thousand and ten to. I, I will remember a horror if I see it in my. Uh, if I see a, a game or a scoreline, let me have a mm. look here. So, first game of the season we played. Let's have a look here. Oh, we had Luke Halen. He was playing there. We had Freeman. Yeah. They were in there both in the Premiership now. Wow, we had some... Oh, yeah, we had some good quite good little... quality players down there during... The, during... Oh, so I remember. Oh, Dean, Dean Bowditch, the Virgo. Okay, so I remember. So we won. We beat Leighton Orient the first game of the season. Um, oh, I did have a horror. We played away at Notts County on the 24th of September. We lost 4-0. I had a bit of a horror that day. Mm. I remember that. Um, Huddersfield Town were in the league that year. Wow. Would not would not know that. Yeah. And then I think I played away at one game. We played away. May have been like MK Dons, and we got kind of stuffed once as well. But that, in general, looks like I did. I did all right. <laughs> yeah. And as you say, you know, you you came during the spell. I can't remember ever there being any any negative vibes around you because, like I say, you know, yes, we did have some good goalkeepers there. Stephen Henderson was very good. So was um, Alice McCarthy. Um, yeah, and who else did we have? We had um, what's his name, uh, Asmir Begovic as well. So you know, we had yep. some good goalkeepers there. Uh, so the fact that you came and okay, so you're not a, an Asmir Begovic, but I can't ever remember negative press about you. So you know, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. I would have thought, you know, uh, yeah, just come in and did my job, and uh, you know, yeah, I was but... never the best goalkeeper, but I always put in a hundred percent. And uh, no, I don't remember. I remember it just being really enjoyable times, to be honest. I had a real good time down there. I, I was living with Virgo, who I used to live with, uh, or used to play with at Brighton. Yeah. One of the people I'm really close with in football now, you mentioned about, uh, oh, that player earlier has five friends. One of the one of the people in my career who I've stayed in touch more than anyone is actually Paul Huntington, who was oh, the yeah. staff, who was there. And yeah. me and Hunter, uh, he's been one of the best people at keeping in touch with me. We speak probably once a month now. Do you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he came out here last year with his wife, and I met them for dinner and stuff. So, um, really good memories from, from Yeovil. And there was yeah. a, a, a half-moon pub, I think, I used to go to, and have the lasagna and, and chips. And that was... Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't forget that either. That was probably the best lasagna I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the chips. Don't forget the chips, mate. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... Um, you played in this 3-2 victory over a Manchester United 11. It was Darren Way's benefit match. I thought it was... Cause, okay. Uh, I thought it was Terry Skibbons, but at corners it was Darren Way's. But um, there, there were some quite good players in that. But the fact that we beat them uh, 3-2 didn't go down too well with me because I've always been a red and I always will be a red. Um, I, I see but, you circulate that photo of you and Solskjaer quite a bit on that social media. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> dead right, mate. I've got one here. I've got, I've got, here, hang on a bit. I don't know if you can see this. Can you see that? Oh, that's better. Oh, Eric Cannonar. Yeah. Cost me a lot of money, that but picture, did, I can tell you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but, you know, so moving... But, but, but I mean, what a, what a game to start your career with, with the over with, though. Albeit it wasn't the first team, but it was a it was a Manchester United side and it had a few names in it. So that can't be bad, especially yeah. coming out on the winning side. More music now, and this time it's Queen and Under Pressure. <laughs> Bye, baby. 
Queen, of course, and under pressure. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have time to think about that. I think I found out on like the Thursday I drove down and just played. And that, that was when I look back at my career, that's when I was best, when I didn't have time to think, you know. Mm. Uh, as my career went on and you get older and you get more nerves, that's what happened to me. I used to get nervous. Um, the more time I had to think, the worse I performed. So I remember having a pretty good game. I think there was a. I think Cameron Stewart for Man U that day had a really good game, and I think we ended up getting him alone. That's away, right, we right, did. Right I don't. Even, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if he's still playing. But that's one. That's probably yeah. the only thing I remember about that game, to be honest. I think he is still playing, but I, I remember the thing I remember about Cameron Stewart was he he played and Nathan Jones gave him a real hard time, really on his back all the time, and and. Yeah, poor old Cameron. He never really made it very far, and I thought he was quite a good player. But then, of course, I would do because I've got red eyes, of course. But um, exactly, yeah, you know. uh, yeah. Nathan, I mean Nathan Jones, probably the him and Dean Wilkins are probably the two best coaches 
minus Ben as a goalie coach that I've ever come across. So Jonesy was always tough. But I remember I was at Brighton as a kid when Nathan was a first-team player. Yeah. He put some people... The demands he puts on people were the same demands he put on himself and his teammates when he played. So one of the things I love about Jonesy, he's never changed. He's always been that way. And, you know, he has such a passion for the game, you know? Mm, no, and he was always as fit as a flea, wasn't he? I mean, oh, I yeah. remember we, we went on, on tour to um, Holland on one occasion and uh, we stayed in this sort of sports complex place and they did a uh, like a well not exactly a marathon but they certainly did a long long run round and round the stadium uh, well not the stadium this this complex that we were staying at and I happened to be in my room at the time and I sort of saw Jonesy go by with the rest of them and then a bit later the next lap Jonesy's way out in front and like it just went on and he finished about half an hour before everybody else so yeah, he was, nah, he's, you know, he's, he's probably the fittest guy I ever came across his dedication to the game and his body Mm. amazing you know and of course he's uh, he's moved back to Luton now after his uh, somewhat abortive uh, attempts at Stoke City so uh, yeah no, no, and I saw that and, I, and then there's a few teams that I keep in touch with still every weekend when the, well before this all happened but before when the scores come in I always used to check for all my old teams you know even people like Cambridge where I had a, a really bad time Portsmouth where I didn't have a good time either. Mm. I still always look up for my old team, but as a couple of people, I always looked up for Jonesy's results at Stoke because, you know, I know there was a bit of criticism about him leaving Luden to go there, but I think anyone in this situation would have done the same thing, you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, so, uh, yeah, no, it was unfortunate what happened there, but at least he's got another chance at Luton, and if he keeps mm. them up, that would be amazing. Mm, absolutely. So, anyway, you moved on to Charlton on loan next, and then you had a, a full-time contract at Charlton, but you didn't play that many games. Was was it the same situation, really, being told some one thing and getting another nah. altogether? No, it was completely different at Charlton. So, uh, again, Ben took me there on loan because Rob Elliott was the goalie first and Newcastle got injured. So, throughout my whole career, I never really played much. I mean, if you look at my stats, I was, I'd learned you learn your place in life, right? Mm. And my place in football, as I learned, was being a really good professional around the club. I was always the first one there, kind of working out in the gym and stuff, and normally the last one to leave. And then, you know, just being on the bench. I mean, that's really where my career ended up going, you know? Mm. Um, which, even though that's sad to hear, that's just the brutal truth. And um, Ben took me to Cholton. I did really well. I was pushing a first-team place. Uh, and then we went to Spain on pre-season tour and I decided to, with about seven other really good players, uh, get drunk. Uh, and then they called a tra- they called a training session that afternoon where the owner was flew in to watch. And uh, I remember Ben Roberts throwing the ball to me and it going through my gloves, hit me in the nose. It was so funny. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips was there. Johnny Jackson was there. Rob Elliott was there. We were known as the Lepe 8. And uh, that definitely affected my chances of being in the team. But it also galvanized the, the club because that year we got promoted. And it, that was probably my most enjoyable year in football because even though I didn't play that much, it was just amazing to be around that squad. So, yeah, I played, I don't know how many games I played for Cholton. It wasn't many, but I loved my time there. I just loved it. Do you keep in touch with Ben Roberts now? Oh, yeah, me and Ben speak. Uh, ben Hamer, too, who was the goalie at that time. I've got so much admiration for Ben because of the way... It, it doesn't matter if he's at England, if he's with Yeovil, if he's at Brighton, Cholton, his standards are always so high. And that's another thing I love about Jonesy, Right. I mean, we all remember. I mean, I remember it clearly in the change rooms at Yeovil. You had that little room at the end, which was the gym. Let's say it's yeah, just a little yeah, room, right? Yeah. Good players and good pros don't make excuses, and they still get it done. And that's what I love about Ben and Jonesy is that they just 
They never have excuses. They make the best of any situation. And I can't say I used to do that. I think now in my career, I do that. Um, but people who can come to Yeovil and keep the same standards as if they're at a Brighton or a Charlton or a Millwall, they're true professionals, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben was certainly one of those, that's for sure. Oh, but um, So, I mean, I'm going to miss out a, a few uh, chunks of this because obviously you didn't you didn't spend that much time there. Out of all the, the loans, and, and would you say that Wimbledon was the most successful? Well, yeah, for many reasons. So Wimbledon was the most successful because... My time at Charlton was coming to an end. They were dead and buried, and I went there, and I just had a great affiliation with the fans. I was only there for 12 games, so I knew it was short. But I just did really well, and it also led me to my wife, which, you know, I wouldn't be in America now without, you know, without that situation. But at the end of that season, Wimbledon offered me a deal, and then Portsmouth came in and offered me a deal. And Portsmouth was a little bit more money, but it didn't really make that much difference. But it was more... They sold you on, you're going to play in front of big crowds. And that, but Portsmouth was the biggest shambles ever, to be honest, when I went there. Um, so footballing-wise, I regret not staying at Wimbledon because I could have stayed there for a year or two, got 50, 100 games under my belt, maybe gone on to some better things. But I'm glad I went to Portsmouth because my career ended, I had a nightmare, and then I moved to America, which I'm like the <laughs> luckiest guy ever to be here. I mean, I can't tell you how grateful I am to, to be in this country, man. Well, well let, let's talk about your, your, your sort of life now. Um, so mm-hmm. from, from Portsmouth, you ended up, did you go straight to Las Vegas or did everybody else? Yeah, I, met, I, I, so I remember. So me and my, at the time we were just friends, but me and my wife now. So in the year that I met her and I went to Portsmouth, we would just talk every day and stuff like that. And then I was scheduled to fly to a house as soon as the season ended here in Vegas just for like a, a holiday. And I remember going up to see the manager, I think it was Andy Orford at the time, Portsmouth, and he said, we just, and he said, hey, just didn't go us, so let's just end our contract now. I had one more year, and he offered me a certain amount, and I said no, and then he offered me this, and I said no, and then he said, what about this? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so then I got, so then I went straight to Heathrow, and I, uh, I mean, that's one thing I feel like in football too, is I know a lot of players get contracts, and listen, it was a small contract. I was never, I was not on good money when I played football. Mm. But there's always criticism of players when they want to get their money, right? But if a, con- if a club offers a contract to someone, why shouldn't they get their money? You know, if I was an electrician and someone offered me a contract to build a commercial building and they didn't pay me or wanted to cut me out, that's not fair, you know? So that's always mm-hmm. one thing that's kind of made me angry that the club's always trying to make the player look like they won't leave if they don't get their money. But they should get their money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I flew straight to Heathrow, went out. I think we went straight to Hawaii. My wife's from Hawaii, so we went to Hawaii. And then my money was in my bank two days later, and that was the end of my career. Mm-hmm. So, so... You're in Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. Was 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 that your first port of call, or did you go? Did you go from there to Las Vegas and and, and go? Well, some- you, yeah, you. So you always start in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas is known as the ninth island because Hawaii has eight islands, and a lot of Hawaiians move to Vegas because it's more affordable. It's a five-hour flight. You're not allowed to gamble in Hawaii, but you can gamble here. So it's known here as the ninth island. So there's a real big Hawaiian population here in Vegas. I think my wife's been here 20 years now. So, yeah, we always start in Vegas, and then we just jump on a plane five hours, and then we're in paradise. I mean, Hawaii is literally the best place you could ever go. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, and then I just took basically six months just to just to enjoy life, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just just... Just the things I enjoy now are things that you could never do in football, you know, like Christmas days and, you know, take the weekends off. I mean, even now in my business, I I take the weekends off, you know, which is, and I'm in a salary only position. I don't make, uh, sorry, I'm in a commission only position. Mm. I don't get any, my job is no salary commission only. 
So I'm in a I'm in a good place now where I can take the weekends off and stuff. But Monday to Friday, I'm working 14 to 15 hour days. You know. Well, presumably, if you're working on commission only, I mean, I know I've, I've had experiences of that. You've got to work, and if you don't work, you don't eat. So it's, it's yeah, important. exactly. But like the first the first two years, I kind of run around like a headless chicken. But I've been extremely lucky here. Like the average agent sells. I think it's three to six homes a year here in Vegas, and I'm—I mean, I've already sold ninety-seven this year. So, yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. So I'm like, this year I'll sell one hundred and fifty homes, and uh, and yeah, it's just a really—it's just a perfect, perfect career for an ex-footballer because it's a bit like if you don't train well, you don't play, you mm-hmm. know. And that's probably what you know. I didn't train well, so I didn't play, but that's kind of the same situation with real estate. It's very different here. So in England, if you sell your house, it's normally about one percent to sell. Yeah. Here commission is six percent so and there's two agents so on every pretty much on every transaction i get three percent and another agent gets three percent yeah so it's a very different process to what it is in england so it's uh there's a lot of opportunity out here and there's there's no ceiling to the income you can make you know time for john's final choice and this time it's the kings of leon and use somebody
Kings of Leon, use somebody. Well, clearly it was the right choice, but but how did you arrive at that choice? Because you said you were there for six months, just sort of enjoying life, and you know. Oh, with real estate. Yeah. Well, at what point uh, did you in that direction? Well, my wife just said, "Hey, I've got some friends who are doing pretty well in real estate. You should do it." So I said, "Okay, I'll go for it." And uh, she said, "You're a good." Uh, you know, you got that stupid English accent. She said, <laughs> "People like." Yeah. And uh, but but then again, I'm so dumb. I haven't been at school since I was 16. I mean, the real estate test is probably the easiest test ever to take, and I think I failed seven times <laughs> because I just, you know, I haven't studied since I was what 16 at school. I mean, when yeah. you're playing football, you're you're told that it's more important to be ready for a game on a Saturday than do education. You know, mm. so um, I failed seven times, and then in, in your first year, they say that if you if you do two or three deals in your first year, you're going to have a really good career. And I think my first year I did 44 sales and had, and then I, and then I made triple what I ever made in football in one year. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I could have a bit of this. This is, this is a bit of me, this, you know? Well, good for you, John. Good for you. Keep it up. Uh-huh. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm very, very blessed. I feel very, very lucky. I feel very grateful for the experiences I had in football and for where I'm at in my life right now, I thought I can't tell you how lucky I feel. So, what's life like in America right now? Because we hear that it's getting worse again over there. You've got Donald Trump, who doesn't seem to have a grasp of what the hell's going on in the world generally. Um, it's not great over here either, mind you. I hasten to add. But uh, is it is it difficult over there? Um, so, America's different in a way that every state has different rules. Okay, um, it's a bit like. 50 different countries you know whereas england everyone abides by the same rules i mean i haven't missed a day's work since this has gone on real estate has not stopped it hasn't closed down i know in england it did um vegas the governor here in vegas did a great job at closing the strip we're reopened now yesterday he stated that everyone in public has to wear a mask which i think should happen anyway i don't know what's going on with trump and the politics because i made a decision when i moved here to never watch the news because news is just negative and I don't mm. want to hear anything. I don't want to hear anything negative in my life. I want my mindset to be extremely strong for my family, for myself, for my clients, for my business. So I don't watch the news. So all I know is that pretty much every house I'm listing, I'm getting more than one offer on it. Mm. So that tells me that people, some people are just living their life normal. Um, right now in Vegas, the strip is open. Um, you can go and sit in a restaurant, you can go to a bar, um, you can go gamble. Like it's, I'm not saying it's back to normal, but it's pretty close. Mm. You know, I'm on the road most mornings about 6 a.m. and the roads are packed. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to keep in touch with, uh, 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 do, you know, do you remember Lee Morris? Did you, was he around at your time? Uh, I remember he was, he's a picked Derby, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know of, I just know of him, I don't know him. He, he, he's the, uh, no, I've got to get this right. He plays for a club called, oh God, I've forgotten now. But they're in uh, South Carolina anyway, um, mm-hmm. and he, he's he's manager over there anyway. But they're they're kind of second division, but they're more of a, a kind of a youth based um, operation where they've got over a thousand young kids where they're training and what have they on. But but he was oh, wow. he was struggling a little bit with it. I know, yeah. I mean, he didn't quarter it. Really, don't get me wrong. But he was, uh, you know, he he said it was life was because I spoke to him about. Three, four or five weeks ago now and uh he was saying that life wasn't totally sort of uh, great in south carolina uh, it, it's yeah here in vegas we're okay like to be honest with you and we have we're very lucky too where we have a really we have a great home we have a nice home with a swimming pool and stuff mm. so 
and I just build out like uh, I turned we got like a four car garage. I turned two of it into like a, a professional home gym. Hmm. So like we can just stay we can just stay at home. We're fine. You know, we just order food, go in the pool, use the gym. Like so for us, life hasn't really changed that much. You know, and we're and we're homebodies anyway. Me and my wife. I mean, we're. We like just being with our daughter at home and mm. having friends and fam- family over. We've been allowed to, you know, have friends and family over pretty much the whole time. Yeah. We had two weeks where we did quarantine, but I know England, my parents family they can't even see like a family. I'm just crazy. Yeah. So mm. it's a lot, it's a lot more stricter in England. Yeah. But Vegas is kind of, Vegas isn't very, it's not like a city like New York or London and stuff. We're pretty spread out here, you know. Mm. So I mean, we live we live in the desert, you know. So there's a yeah. lot of space everywhere. So, so it's not it's not too bad here at all, to be honest. Well, I've got to say, it's it's, it's really refreshing talking to somebody that's uh, made a real success of your life. And and you know, like I say, I think anybody selling anything on commission is is has got to be worth his uh, his weight in gold because it <laughs> is bloody hard. No matter what what the commodity you're selling is, it's it's not yep. easy. You know, you've got to really go for yeah. it. So um, yeah, no, it's it's not easy. But I wouldn't be able to do it with my experiences from football. I mean, my and when you look at my career from the outside, it's pretty failed career, you know. But what's crazy is I've seen players who have played six, seven hundred league games, and now they can't even get a job, mm, you know. Mm, mm, so I think the question football, I think the question footballers have to ask themselves are, are am I hanging on too long? Yeah. And then I think what you have to realize as a footballer too is that you are just a commodity. It doesn't matter how good you are, how loyal you are to the club. You could be at a club 15 years. The day you leave, people talk about you for a few days and then you're replaced and it's move on because mm. people people don't live in the pot. Like, you've got to live in the present, you know? You've got to, th- you've got to live in the present day. And yeah. I think a lot of footballers, unfortunately, don't realize that you're just a commodity. It's just, like for me, your, your life, your real life starts the day you retire. Because being a footballer, isn't really a real career. No. It's too truncated, it, I, isn't it, really? That's, that's... I mean, it's a great career, but the other good thing about America, too, is when you're... Like, I'm 32 now, right? So when I started this career, I was 27, 28. I was, I'm still considered very young in America. In England, 32 is like, oh, you're, you're kind of getting on. <laughs> you know, you would say, you, you would say you're getting on, old, old dog, you know? <laughs> I would, old dog, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, but for me, like, you know, I meet, you meet people in America at 35, 40, and like, yeah, I'm just get, starting a new career. And, and America attracts that. America attracts the entrepreneur. Yeah. Where I think in England, when you're 30, 35, beginning to retire from whatever you're doing, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening here who have regular jobs, whether it's they're a plumber or a hairdresser, and they probably think, you know what, I'd love to change careers, but they probably think, I can't now, where mm. you can. You can do anything you want to do. God knows what they make of me, and at 73, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're stuffed at 73. Yeah, I've had it, mate. I've gone on, <laughs> totally gone. Well, look, John, it's been really great talking to you again. Um, but, um, yeah, okay. all, all the best with your, your uh, career, and keep it going, mate. And... Um, Next time I'm in Vegas, I'll give you a call. Yep, give me a call. We'll go to the blackjack table. Yeah, go for it. Lovely to speak to you, John. Thanks very much for joining. That was a very happy-sounding, successful John Sullivan over there in Las Vegas. So, John, thanks for joining us. And to you, the listeners, thanks for listening. Join us again next week, same time. Bye-bye. Is a blue 
This is Three Valleys Radio, and you've been listening to In Conversation with A.D. Hopper. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere, you thought you'd found a friend. Stay tuned for all the local news and sport on Three Valleys Radio. I have in return for grace. It's a beautiful day.